Welcome to our Shir. Many of you I thought would be here for the Shir live. For a change, I think is acting up here. Hold on. Trying to fix the uh, camera done. Okay, good. Much better. So, many I thought would be here personally tonight on Skype. Um, you still have a chance to get here for Shabbos. So that for bring, we can for bring Matzah Shabbos together. I... Uh, I have great anticipation that you're going to uh, surprise me, but I'd be devastated not to pick you up in the airport, so <laughs> let me know right before you get on the plane. Um, Erev <coughs> Purim. This week, today is Yud. Yesterday was obviously a test slave. 73 years. The arrival of the Friedrich Rebbe. Previous Lubavitch Rebbe. Yosef Yitzchak was known as the Rayats. 73 years he arrived at the shores of America and was saved from the horrific horrors of Europe. Why mention the 73 years? The uh, Jew in Shul on yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, didn't want to say Tachnun for Shachris. It's 73 years that the Rebbe arrived in America. 73 is Gematria Yomtev. 73 is Gematria Yomtev. We know it's a Yomtev. How could we possibly say Tachnun? And lo and behold, as the Chazan completed Chazar Sashatz, a Chazan walked into Shul. As the Chazan walked into Shul, the shul was notified that there's no Tachman. <coughs> Pashtitzave has in it, of course, the richness of any given Pasha. Pashtitzave also has a very melancholy twist to it. Almost sad twist, Rechman al-Litzlan. Not that we can say something of terrorist said. Pashtitzave, since the birth of Meshur Abenu, in the beginning of the Chumash Shemais, there has not been a single Parsha that Meshur Abenu is not mentioned until Pashtitzave. Pashtitzavet, the entire Pasha. No, I don't have. Be, I don't know. They said if you would have been here, they would have had it. They said for Sudhis Purim, when you'll be here, they're going to have for you. True that. True that. <laughs> and whatever the rest of the family drinks, you let me know beforehand. We'll get that too. I don't know if we can feed the cat. We have cat food. <laughs> Yeah. And moonshine. He wants to give the leftovers. Then we have moonshine. <laughs> the first parsha, and only parsha, not only first parsha, Meisher Rabbeinu's name is omitted from the Talachim Lebracha. Is omitted from the entire parsha. Many different explanations are offered 
as to why his name is not in this parsha. The most popular and commonplace one is that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Raya Mehemna. Moshe Rabbeinu was a shepherd. But not just a shepherd, and not just a faithful shepherd. My mother, Allah Shalom, I don't know where she got it from, the expression I mean, if any of us ever got hurt, or if anybody in the family ever fell ill, she used the Yiddish expression, she is willing to accept whatever the child had on herself, rather than the child should be subjected to what they were being subjected to. All the respect, many things that I've adapted from my mother, I could never, ever be so bold as to say such a thing. Not that I don't love my children as much as my mother loved hers or her grandchildren, but the expression is so powerful. You have to be quite a... person to even try to profess to say such a thing. Moshe Rabbeinu was a raya And as Moshe Rabbeinu sat in the Milo for 40 days and 40 nights <coughs> not eating or drinking Go to the post office and send it in the Shah Monastery and I've got some already. <laughs> the Jews, with help of the Sultan, of course, as we know, the story, which you're going to read in Kisisa, miscalculated. And they thought that Moshe, who said he's coming in 40 days, did not return. And the Sultan, in his ominous wisdom, showed a bed, showed Moshe Rabbeinu the master lying in a bed and said, you see, the teacher Moshe is not alive anymore. The teacher Moshe has passed away and you are now a flock without a shepherd. Come, let us build a new God. And from there progressed the sin of the eagle, the golden calf. At which point, the Almighty was very upset with the Jewish nation, and he turns to Moshe and he says, Shichai says, Amcha, they've already gone off the path, <coughs> and therefore, I'm going to destroy them. From you, I will make a new nation. Meshach Rabbeinu said, that's not happening. These are my people, these are my nation. If you should even attempt to do such a thing, Moshe Rabbeinu uses the expression literally Mechenino Mesifrecha Shekasavta 
erase my name from your holy Torah. May my name be obliterated rather than the people. Don't hurt a hair on the head of a Jew. Wipe out my name from the Torah. Now we know when we go and we need a bracha, we need a special blessing for any given issue. Tradition has it we go to a tzaddik. Because tradition has it, tzaddik gezer hakadosh baruch hu mekayim. A tzaddik decrees and the Almighty completes. So the Almighty said, Moshe, it was a threat, yes. It was an expression, perhaps. But you said, You said you wanted your name erased from my Teda. You asked for it, you got it. I won't do it the entire Teda. But one Parsha, your name will be omitted. How ironic is it to call Yisrael to the Jewish nation that Pashas Tetzaveh, Ve'ata Tetzaveh, not Vayedaber Hashem Moshe Leimer, but because his name is omitted, the Almighty refers to him as Ve'ata. <coughs> How Ironic is it that Vi'ata Tetzaveh is the last Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe gave to us. The last Maimir, Vi'ata Tetzaveh. In the Maimah, which I'd like to discuss, as we've done in the past years, <coughs> the Rebbe asks, Viata <coughs> Tetzava is a first. There's always been commandments. Tzavah's been a Yisrael. Tzav, command the Jews. Daber, tell the Jews. By saying ve'ato titzave, the implication is you are the one that is now commanding. Not just that I want you to command and tell the Jews this mitzvah. You are the one that is going to do the commanding. The command will come from you. What is Tetzaveh? Tetzaveh comes from a lotion of Tzavse V'chibur. A connection. A, one, a form that one connects with the Almighty God. The Zayar tells us, Hayyemuna Deliela the belief, the emuna, the concept of emuna, believing in God, the belief that a Jew has for the, to the in the Almighty, the concept of belief of believing. <laughs> told the story before. Of the fellow that falls off a cliff and he's holding on for dear life on a branch and he's looking down at a 10,000 foot drop and he's petrified. How will he climb back up? And he turns his eyes to heaven and he says, Save me! I have a wife and children! 
And he hears the heavenly voice and the Almighty says to him, Do you believe in me? And he says, Yes, I believe in you. He says, Do you have complete and total faith in me? He says, Yes, I have complete and total faith in you, Almighty. I can get you a bit. So the Almighty says, Leave go of the branch. The man, the, man, the man looks down at 10,000 foot drop. And the way that the Almighty is going to save him is tells him, leave go of the branch. So his first reaction, he looks back up to heaven and says, is there anyone else up there that can help me? He's a true believer. Belief, to believe in God is an extremely powerful, powerful power. A concept Felix Rebbe once said someone someone claimed to be a heretic, an apicarius. This is open. This is use this one. And the Felix Rebbe told him the expression in Yiddish from Kanakin Shemesh Kizvetmanish Napakatis. From eating sunflower seeds, you don't become an apicaris, you don't become a heretic. In which the, the translation literally was the implication is that you have to know Torah to deny it. By saying I'm not practicing Torah and Mitzvah because I don't believe in it. If you don't know what you're talking about, how could you believe or not believe? How could you be a disbeliever in something that you don't know what it is? To believe is given from the Almighty. But this was what Moshe's power was. The Almighty tells him, you are the one, you are the source that will feed and will support belief. And the Rebbe explains, the entire fact that a Jew believes in God, in what's called emunah pshuta, simple faith, is because they have a neshama. Because they are blessed with a holy soul. And the neshama is not fully embodied in the body. There is part of the neshama that stays above and sees godliness. And not only sees godliness, but the neshama is a chelik eleka mimal mamish. The Nisham is literally a part of God. And if you're part of something, you don't necessarily see it. So by being part of God, the Nisham does not see godliness itself. But since the Nisham is a part of God, Therefore, the neshama directly causes that the person should believe in God even without seeing Him. And since Moshe Rabbeinu's job, said the Zohar, that the Almighty tells him that his job is to support, to strengthen faith amongst the Jews, Moshe, being a master and a teacher, was able to enlighten the Jews of the essence of their soul. A person wakes up every morning and says, Meida ani lefanecha. 
I confess and I praise once again the Almighty for returning my neshama. Many of us say that on automatic pilot. Many of us say it because that's what I do every morning. Many of us don't realize the greatness of our neshama and how our soul, our holy soul, that we embody, has come back into us and gave us another day of life. Tell us something new about the Rachel and Megillah. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to teach the Jews. How to strengthen their connection by understanding they had a soul. The first Chabad Rebbe, known as the Alter Rebbe, wrote the Holy Sefer, the Tanya Kadisha. This week, for those of us that learn Chitas, and those of us that are going to start learning Chitas, Yesterday and today, we said Perek Lamed Beis. It was divided in half, half yesterday and the other half today. And the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, She'eisim gufan ikar v'nafsham t'feilo If a person makes their body the main part, and their soul just happens to ride along. It's impossible there to be true friendship, uni- unity, and love between them. Only when? When the person raises up the nefesh on the goof. And prioritizes the neshama over the body. <coughs> Since the main part, the main root of the neshama in each Jew is in Havaya Echad, in the oneness of God, and he's one with God, therefore, every Jew that learns this and understands this properly. Understands that Kol Yisrael Achim Mamish. All the Jews, every single Jew in the nation are brothers. We are one. We are one together. And because we are one together, therefore we can develop this devotion and this love to a fellow Jew. To a level that we love our fellow Jew as we love ourselves. According to this, therefore, we can now explain the Atta Titzaves B'nei Yisrael. That Meishe Rabbeinu through the fact that he revealed to the Jewish nation the potential of their souls, and they added in Emuna through this, thereby he was able to cause the Tetzave of the Bnei Yisrael, the Tzibui, as we said before, the Loshan Tzavsa V'chibur. Through the revealing of an Ashama, they were able to attach and connect one with another. Ironically, this is the last message that we received on this world to date from the Rebbe. 
teaching us the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu teaching us how How Moshe was a true leader. leader and shepherd. We see also in our Pasha, again in the same vein, on the breastplate of the Kayangadl, Avne Shoyam. They were set up, the stones were set up. The Postic says, Shisha Mishmesam Alevan Achas, Veshmesha Nesadam Alevan Hashenis Kiseldesam. Six were on one stone, six on the other in the order of their birth. The order in which they engraved the names of the Shvatim on the Avnei Shayam. The Avnei Shayam sat on the breastplate twelve across, one, three, four rows of three, uh, three rows of four. And on each stone it said, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. There were other letters as well, which we've elaborated another time. But they were put chronologically. In the orders of which they were born. We find on the Eifrit, excuse me. There it was put in order. Well, education was also put in order. Right. We find that Rambam has a special shita. And he explains what does Kisil Desa mean, not necessarily chronologically, but the way their mothers gave birth to them. First it was Leah's children, then Bila, then Zilpa, and then Rachel. Now, it's very ironic. Because if the engraving of the names on the Avni Shayim was in order that it should be, that the Almighty should see the names of the children of the Shvatim and he should remember their righteousness. So therefore, this is all connected with their. They're, un- they're united, they're unison. How much they were united one with the other. And therefore it's to show how the Jews, how the brothers loved one another. In that case, why were they divided up in such a way, according to their mothers, showing that they were totally different, almost different families. They were only half-brothers. But the truth is, the uniqueness of the love between Jews, the unison between Jews, <coughs> it's not only that we have, we're not different one with the other, it's not only that we're all equal par, But rather, even when you see that we are different, how does a Jew see another Jew being different than him? Many years ago, when Chassidim began to surface in the world, there was a group of antagonists 
formerly known as Misnagdim. And the antagonists had zero tolerance for the Chassidim. I won't say, God forbid, a, anything more negative than that. But they had a gathering, and they wanted to put the Chassidim in Chedim. They wanted to excommunicate the Chassidim. Can they do that? No. So it came to again, and not everybody knew what Chassidim were even. And because they didn't know what Chassidim were, then obviously they were able to have a harbor any kind of indifference. So one of the people that they wanted to sign on this Chedim said, I don't know what a Chassid is, how can I sign? He said, did they put on Tefillin? He says, Chassidim put on Tefillin. They put on four pairs. There are those chassidim that put on Rashi and Tam, and then there's another two pairs, which are done only by Rebbes usually. But the very, very great chassidim wore those as well. But the average chassidim wear Rashi and Rebbe Tam, at least two pairs. Why do you do it later on in life? They wear them together. Do they wear tzitzis? No. So tzitzis, they wear tzitzis to cover their whole body, Dafke. It's wide, it's, it's crazy. Do they daven? So you got to be kidding. Sometimes they sit in daven, you can't get them out of shul. Actually, I was by a, a shiva call today, and they were talking about a chassid called Ichi the Masmid. Ichi the Masmid was an an old time chassid who was killed in Shem Yidrish Domov, he was killed in Machshemam by the Germans in the war. The people that I went to be Menachemovel actually remember Itcher the Masmid. One person remembered him as a child in his parents' house, and one person remembered, not one of the people sitting Shiva. But the people that were sitting in Shiva remember that in their grandfather's house, Itcher the Masmid had come to, to America. He had come here to collect money and whatever, and then he no, went back he to moved. Europe. He moved and he couldn't handle it. He went back. How do you know? Started. And they said that Itcher the Masmid had his own room, his own bed, but he never slept in it. He was a sheikh at a trade. He would sit all night long with his feet in cold water that he shouldn't fall asleep. So he could sit and continue learning all night. And then he would daven for hours. Or his Seyyidah it was just mind-boggling, the hours this man devoted to godliness. But when it came to a physical meeting that he had to have with somebody, no matter what time it was, 8 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, he was there on time. He honored and respected the person's covet, person's, no matter who the person was, he respected the person and never insulted a person. At that point, therefore, the Chassidim, this fellow listening to the story from these antagonists, said, I wouldn't sign a document putting them in Chedim I want to become a Chassid they sound so wonderful they threw him out mm-hmm. so goes the story when a Jew therefore sees differences by another Jew whether it be Sephardi and Ashkenazi whether it be the total different race called Bukhari <laughs> You asked for that one, okay? <laughs> Sorry. 
And they come together anyway. They daven under the same shul, under the same roof. That's called true Avas Yisrael. And therefore, when the names were engraved in the Shvatim on the Avnei Shayam, it was to show that, yes, there are differences. They have different mothers, but yet they are united. They love each other because they are brothers. You guys, There are so many things to talk about in the parsha, but I think we're going to have to change gears now to Purim. You nobody sharing the cookie with me? No. Your loss. This is a fresh cookie, straight out of the oven. Something buzzed. You going with the three groceries? Yeah. Good. You know the story. The guy that had his credit card stolen. Two weeks later, he reports the credit card stolen. I got it stolen two weeks ago, he says. Why didn't you report it two weeks ago? He says, the thief is spending less than my wife. <laughs> yeah. I see, that's why you're letting her go to the store. Ah. Lovely. One of the main mitzvahs on Purim. I gave it to you nicely, right? I didn't say my store and the closet should go. That's right. He's right. You should know he comes one day. He'll be a Purim. Mordechai instituted Mishlech Manas. I know. Oh, man. As long as he gave me money. What is the mitzvah of Mishlech is to send edibles from one Jew to another? In the present day, Mishlech became a very popular thing. I have to go to the post office now because someone doesn't want to come here to get it. Yeah. He's looking at me. Don't make those eyes. No, he has fresca in it. There's fresca there, yeah. <laughs> Can you ship it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll give you the box and you'll ship it tomorrow. I'll give you the address. <coughs> it's become a big business. People selling fruit baskets and candy baskets. It's amazing what goes on now. Everybody, young, old, poor, rich, everybody's giving Mishach Manas. Tomorrow. Shukhan, I'll tell you when, we didn't get to that yet. Shukhan Aruch tells us, a person is obligated to give his friend two portions of meat or something else that's edible to his friend on Purim. Shukhan Aruch says, food and not clothing or something else. The Be'er Hetev writes, someone sends clothing or something valuable to somebody and the person has ample time to sell it so that he can purchase food for Purim, it's good enough. So we go back to the regular question, <coughs> what does Mishlech Manas have to be? Does it have to actually be a food... A drink. Could it be pineapple? Yes. We also find the halacha. We're studying teda. Is almost is as good as food. We find the halacha that says that Shabbos we eat three meals. Friday night, Shabbos day, and then after Mincha Shabbos, known as Sudash Lishit. The question arises, Erev Pesach comes out on Shabbos. We can't 
eat bread for Suda Shlishit, and obviously we can't eat matzah yet. So we wash our potatoes. So what do we do for Suda Shlishit? And Shechonarach says, you can be Yetzer with learning Teda. Give what? Uh, Is it a No. What? You feel it's a derech? No, you know, they have a bakery that sells it in brownies. No, where? No, they don't. Really. Shechonarach tells us you're lying on the opinion that the third meal does not have to be bread. You can eat fruit, meat, or fish. And the Shalom writes in the name of the Zayar, Rishimah Bayechai, the Holy Tana used to learn Teda. There are two, there's a Machlekes, two opinions or reasons why we give Mishnah Manas. One of the opinions is the Matanis Halevi, which is written by Rabbi Shleima Halevi, Ben Alkavetz. And in case you're looking back and saying, who was this man? He sounds so familiar. He is very familiar. He is the Kabbalist that composed the Lechadidi that we say Friday night. Who's the care, right? That's a story in its own. What is the reason, says the Matana Salevi for Mishnah Manais? To refute Haman's description of the Jewish nation. Haman said the Jews are Am Echod Mefuzar Mefeirad Beinaamim. They are totally dispersed. Their disharmony and disunity. So Mordechai instituted that everyone send food to a friend to demonstrate unity and love. According to Trumas Hadeshen, written by Rabbi Yisrael Isarlan from Austria, the sending of these portions is so everyone would have enough food for the Suda. <coughs> In the olden days, they would put together plates of food and everyone would send plates of food, everybody would have on their table, and therefore when it came to the Suda's Purim, Nobody was ever lacking food. Therefore, we must say that according to Manas Alevi, if a person would send a book, a safer, a new book, it would be okay. Why? Because all I have to do is show that I love my fellow Jew. I'm doing it to show that I want to share with my friend. But according to Trumas Adeshen, no. A person must send food because it's not sufficient otherwise. There are two very popular books that were written on the Megillah. Manos Halevi, as we spoke about, and Mechir Yayin, which is written by the Ramah. In introduction to Manis Halevi, the author writes that in the year 5289, he was a Chosun. He was engaged to be married. And he sent his father-in-law for Purim, Rabbi Yitzchak HaKoyen, he sat down and he wrote, the Ramah sat down the night he wrote the entire night a safer on Megillus Esther, and he figured this Manot Halevi, Manot from Lashon Shalach Manot, and he sent this as a gift to his father-in-law. The Meshisalus in his introduction to Mechir Yayin writes that in the year five three one six he left Krakow went out to the country for fresh air. And there wasn't really enough food for a proper Purim meal. So he wrote the book Mechir Yayin. At the end he writes that on Purim, 
he sent this as a mana a portion to his dear father of Yisrael, who was the Parnas, the leader of the city of Krakow. We said before, though, there's a question, only one opinion holds that sending a safer is sufficient. So how do these great sages do such? So since Shlema ben Alkovitz, we know, had the opinion that the idea is to show harmony amongst Jews, so we understand he sent the book, a safer. But Moshe Isilis, where did he get in the Mechiriyai in this idea? And therefore in Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah writes, he writes, he rules, gives a rule, a ruling, that if one sends a portion to somebody, and their friend sends it back, he refuses it. And he says, it's okay, consider as if you sent it to me, he has completed the mitzvah. He sent it, that's considered completing the mitzvah. The prichodah says no. It's not because the person has to have pleasure. The Chsam Sefer writes that these opinions are contingent on why the mitzvah was instituted. According to Trumas Hadeshan, it was instituted so that the receiver benefits from it. And therefore he must accept it to use it. And therefore it's not completed the mitzvah. But according to Manas Halevi, the Mishlech Manas is to prove that I love my fellow Jew. I sent it. The recipient didn't accept it, that's a separate entity, separate issue. So therefore we see that Amos says, even if the person doesn't receive it, he refuses it, he's still considered doing the mitzvah, because he holds like the man of Zalevi. And therefore he and Shlomo ben Alkovitz sent a safer. So therefore there are many people that send food and those who write books send the book as well. But Ramah writes in the name of the Marib I don't know how my back That it's good to engage in a bit of Torah study before the meal starts. As it says, La Yehudim Haisa Eira, Besimcha, Vesasin, Vikar. Eira Zutera, Simcha Zumishta. And therefore, before we start the meal, we should say Advar Torah. So let us begin a few Divrei Torah on the Megillah. If you lay the Megillah, is that considered Torah? No. Wow. We begin right in the beginning of the Megillah Vayi. We may have a Shvedish. Vayi is a sad note. Vayi indicates trouble. What was the trouble if we know we're reading this on Purim when we are so happy? Because the miracle that took place. The Gemara in Megillah says 
There is a discussion why we do not say Halel on Purim. Rava says, because based on a Pasuk, of give praise you servants of Hashem, Halu Avde Hashem, and since Akati Avde Achashvedesh Anan, we are still servants to Achashvedesh. In spite of the fact that we were miraculously saved from annihilation, we are still under a non-Jewish government. Never mind what religion the president has. So regardless of the peace and tranquility that we are enjoying, we think we are enjoying, regardless of the fact that many Mordechais and Esthers hold prominent positions as long as we are in exile under the Malchus, the kingdom of Achashvedesh, and the kingdom of David, of Melech HaMashiach, is still not reinstated, there is still a great tzara amongst the Jewish nation. We are still in trouble. And therefore we see a little later in the, in the, in the Megillah, the Pasuk tells us, Ish Yehudi Hoya Bishushan Abira. And this is a Pasuk that everybody says. One of the few Psukim that the Balkhara stops and everybody says these words. Ish Yehudi Hoya Bishushan Abira, Shmei Mardachai, Ben Yoyer, Ben Shimi, Ben Kishishimini. Now his name was Mardachai. Yehudi was only a title that he earned. Why? Because he didn't serve idols. So it should say the opposite way. It should say, Mardachai HaYehudi. Why did it say, Ish Yehudi Mardachai? Sometimes, my friend, due to outward appearance, we only know someone's Jewish because he's got a nice Jewish name or a nice Jewish nose. A gold bag, a coin, you know, typical Jewish name. It was very interesting. I was <laughs> Friday. I went to put on film with my, one of my offices, and the guy walks in, big, tall, strapping fellow. And I say, "Come, put on film." Everybody else here does. He says, uh, "One of the guys says to me, hey, he's not Jewish, but this fellow has a nice Russian name, and he changed it to Rosen." He figured it sounds almost Jewish, so maybe it'll help his business. True story. The Megillah is telling us that without even knowing Mordechai's name, you knew that Mordechai was a Jew walking in the streets. His beard, his payas, his attire. First you saw Ish Yehudi. And then you found out it was Mordechai. And therefore the Megillah is talking, uses that expression. First it says Ish Yehudi, and then it says about Mordechai. One of the things that it talks about it also in the Megillah, and this is the tune of the Megillah is sung differently. At this point, one of the psukim that the tune of the Megillah is read to the same tune as the Eicha, the Megillah that is read on Tishabav. Asher Hogla Mirushalayim Imagoyla Asher Hoglosa. What happened to him? He had been exiled from Jerusalem with the exiles, who had been exiled with Yechonya, the king of Yehuda. Why do we have to know this history? Why do we have to know that he came from such a level, such such people? What does it bother, what does it have to do with our story? How is it relevant? And again, unfortunately, some Jews have become assimilated, have become acclimated and accustomed to the exile. And they made peace with it. I know why. 
Same way a survivor would show his numbers, show his survivor. And they're well settled. And they don't yearn, Mashiach and the Gehula. No matter how great, says the, the Megillah, no matter how high of a position Marachai held, he was an advisor to the king. But he was never happy. He was always a gullus yid. He was always a yid that felt that he's suffering in exile. And he eagerly anticipated the return to his homeland, Yerushalayim. Haman was plotting. He was plotting that Mordechai did not bow down to him. But it appeared contemptible in his eyes to lay his hands on Mordechai alone. They told him the people of Mordechai were the Jews. And therefore the Pasuk says, Haman set out to destroy the entire nation. What did Haman hear about Mordechai? or Marachai's people, that made him decide to kill out the entire nation. Not just Marachai. Marachai refused to bow to Haman. And this upset him. He thought it was a great chutzpah. And yeah, he wanted to kill Marachai. When he discussed it with his advisors, they told him, Mordechai is not unique. There is an Am Mordechai. An entire nation of these guys. Kulam Kailu. <laughs> and if you kill this one, another one will crop up. And you will not be able to oppress them ever. They are always going to rise up again and again. And another Mordechai and another Mordechai will face you and will fight you. Therefore he decided he has to destroy all the Mordechais. He has to destroy the entire nation. And ultimately we see that Esther Amalka tells Mordechai get the message out and let everyone know three days there will be a fast. Now, today's day, you make a mass text. You send out an email. You post it on your blog. Facebook. Or you put it in Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, or MySpace, and his space, and their space, and I don't know what space. Or an Instagram. (laughs) But Mordechai, Esther's main concern was the Jews fast for three days and they pray. So she should be successful. What did she care what form of media Mordechai uses? She tells him, Lech, Kenais, Kola Yehudim, gather them, assemble them together. The fact is, my friend, that nothing in this world happens accidentally. Everything is through divine providence. The heavenly acceptance of Haman's plot was through Lashon Hara, the evil, slanderous speech that he spoke against the Jewish people and saying, as we said before about Mishnah Manais, that they're they are totally dispersed and disunited. And they lacked unity. So to counteract this, Esther says to Malachi, two things. Firstly, Lech Kenais, gather together, assemble, and reunite all the Jews present in Shushan. And it's incumbent that the unity and brotherly love prevail among them. And then... And then, on top of that, everyone should fast. And everyone should do tshuva. 
And then undoubtedly we'll succeed in our mission. You see what arrived for the end of this year. The fresca has arrived. And this is therefore the lesson of Purim, the mission of Purim. And why it comes out Dafke on Pasha's Tetzave this year. Erev, Shabbat, Erev Purim is Tetzave. The gathering of commandment of Munab Shuta of the belief in the faith in God, the faith and belief that God is one, and we as a nation are one, we will be one, we will stay one, and ultimately we will be led by the one, by Mashiach Tzidkenu, to Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, Bimheira V'yameinu, and this Purim we will hear Megillah in Yerushalayim, on Harabayis in the base of Mikdash. And if God forbid not, Brooklyn, New York is definitely a second best. 1503 Union Street. 1503 Union Street. Shabbat Shalom, Purim Sameach. I really would love to see you all face to face. But if not, we'll drink together for sure. All checks, taxi, doctor. Shabbat Shalom to all. All checks, taxi, doctor.